Jesus' authority extends not just over all physical created things, but in the spiritual realm as well. Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities by triumphing over them at the cross, Colossians 2.15. Jesus is now seated at the Father's right hand, Ephesians 1.20-21. 20, a position of unlimited power and authority, Psalm 110. As a believer in Christ, I am blessed by every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. And I have been seated in Christ with Christ in the heavenlies, Ephesians 2.6. That position of authority belongs to Christ is also mine by virtue of the fact that I am in Him. When I walk in Christ, I can use that authority to command demons, to exercise demons, to take back territory from Satan, and set captives free, just like Jesus did. Just as the apostles exercised their God-given authority over demons by aggressive spiritual warfare and exorcisms, so should we. If I use my heavenly authority, I can likewise triumph over the spiritual realm and cast out, control, and command the demons. Jesus is my model, my example. I can follow any steps by using the authority that I have in him. The demons will be subject to me so long as I use the power and authority granted to me by God. Those are the false teachers that were born. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you'd be like this guy in the book of Acts, that there are demons flogged in. Yes, yes. The sons of Sceva, uh, or the, the, and the, uh, they, Paul, I know, but I don't know who you are. And there you go. Uh, so, but now you're a, you are biblically literate. A lot of people in the Christian realm are not. So, and we're going to go back to that. I'm uh, not tonight. But why is that not right? Does Jesus not have power over all things? He does. Does he have? Do we have the authority and exact power that Jesus did? No, we do not. Are we to do all things that Jesus did when he was here on earth? We're to follow his example, but he gave the apostles the apostolic authority to cast out demons. He has not given us that apostolic age is over. So now we know the basic answers, but if you don't read your Bible a lot, you would fall prey to that, I'm afraid. So tonight, spiritual, let's read the Bible first. And it is a wonderful passage and two or three key passages for spiritual warfare. And we'll give you a, this is like a summary, or like sort of setting up the whole series. Uh, you've gone from two lessons to a series already. I can see, I can hear it already. You've gone from two, more than one, to a series. And so, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to call demons by name and to cast them out and to bind Satan and to tie them up with bows. And No. You know there's only one offensive weapon in the armor? The sword of the Spirit. So put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against what? The wiles of the devil. So rather than us naming... Have you ever heard of prayer... I need to read this for you too uh, before I even read more. Have you heard for, it's called prayer mapping? Have you ever heard of prayer mapping? Is I never heard of until recently. What is prayer mapping? The history of the of the target city must be studied and understood by the evangelist who takes spiritual mapping seriously. Cert, now, some of these things are it's good. To, certain key questions must be answered. For example, how and why the city began, who were the founders, and what their intentions and spiritual condition were, what the presently characterizes the city, or what the city is known for. This and much more information is necessary in order to map the city. The latest demographic study of the city should be analyzed. The history of race relations should be studied along with any traumatic event the city has experienced, like an earthquake or a flood. With all that in hand, the demonic spirit or spirits in control of the city will be identified. 
and thus their power can be broken by the use of some appropriate human effort. For instance, if a city is characterized by pride, then the Christian response ought to be humility. This offsetting of spiritual traits, the spiritual mappers believe, is the key to breaking the demonic stronghold. The fresh move of God to give us the keys of the kingdom in prayer mapping possibly started in the 1980s. Now, you, you read the fresh move of God. So it's like a new revelation. So what they're saying is we have to study the city. Now, you should know, I'm sure you're going to, if you're a missionary, you're going to learn the, the culture. You have to. And you're going to learn what are the major religions. But you're not looking for what demons in control of that city got. They're far more powerful than we are. It's like when you start praying a hedge of, of thorns. Now, I'm not trying to get on anybody's uh, theological understanding, but a hedge of thorns, I thought this was quite... Uh, if you're praying a hedge of thorns, this prayer should not be prayed for your boyfriend or girlfriend or someone who you have feelings for that's not your spouse. That would be considered witchcraft because you're not in a covenant relationship. Now listen, if you get that close to witchcraft by doing that, you should stay away from that. Why are we trying to learn more about the demonic hordes, demonic, when we have the answers right here? So tonight, if you look at the sufficiency of Scripture, this is where we go to. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, I pray for the protection of my children. There's nothing wrong. I pray for Bill, Brother Bill. Uh, Lord's going to Mississippi. Pray that his truck runs well and gets a little bear back and that's okay. But when you start bringing things from the Old Testament, Hosea, a, a hedge of thorns around, and, and you're trying to, well, for protection is from without, a hedge of thorns, and they go with these long explanations about these things. I'm telling you, pray for people's protection, yes. But let's not turn spiritual warfare into something that it's not. Spiritual warfare is your old flesh battling the spirit of God living inside you, and the one you feed the most is the one who wins. That's spiritual warfare. It's being prepared so when the temptation comes, you turn that TV off, you stop reading that book, you don't say those words, you don't go in that building, you don't take the care of That's spiritual warfare. It's your mind. It's your, that's the strongholds. The mind. That, here's where you win and lose every single battle I have for me. It's right here. It's what I think about. It's what I think about. Recognizing false teaching. Yes, and exactly. And that's part of what I'm here to do is to help you to help recognize false teaching. And if you know the, the real stuff, kind of, it's like you heard that immediately when they switched to giving us the ability to cast out. Oh, oh there it goes. There's the fault right there. Most people today, oh, wow. I'm missing. I'm missing that. What, where's the demons I cast out? And it's like spiritual warfare. I'm going to start doing all these things. The Bible tells us not one time to go out and battle demons. It tells us right here in the Word of God that we're to put on the whole armor of God that you may go stand against the what? The wiles of the devil. He's who's, who's as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom we may devour. It's not us. I'm walking about seeking what demons I can get a hold of and, and cast them in here and bind them. And you're going to bind Satan? Now I have to go back. God can do it. God can do that. It's like we have a picture of God and Satan arm wrestling. And the people want they want to, they want to eat that kind of stuff up. God has Satan on a leash. God is omnipotent. God is all powerful. If he wanted to, Satan's gone. But in the plan of the ages, he has a purpose for all these things. 
But we have to say, you know what, God, you're lost. You know, you're God, I'm not. If we would just say that every morning, I'd be like, Lord, you're God, and I am not. So, please help me. I want to do what you want me to do. You know what's best. It's a very small way. It would be like when I went to the piano lesson with Mrs. Herman. And I hadn't practiced or something. And I know she's a lot, she could play circles around me, but do I have to do that? Yes, you have to do that. 45 minutes a day warm-up. Exercise. 45 minutes a day before I start even practicing. To do, yes, you have to do that. Because what? She knows better than I. God knows better than I. And sometimes we have to wait to get to heaven and find all the answers. But the Bible, we have to, and I must encourage you, admonish you, this is where we go. Right here. I may be discouraging. I say that today in some churches, and I preach at some churches, oh, wait just a minute. I've read Neil Anderson's book, and I've read this guy's book, and I've read this. There's a lot more to spiritual world. You're, that's all we have is God's Word. That's all you're going to give me to fight. Wow. I'm just, I'm, who's the next speaker? I want to hear more exciting things than this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. When I was reading today, why is it, why is it that these things, that, why is it we have such rampant abortion? Why is it we have the destruction of our own children? Why is it we have all these terrible things going on? Why do we have the, the, the molestation of children as they cross the borders, our border? Why do we have the, the, the evil making progress. Why do we have Islam 2.8 uh, 1.8 or 9 billion people? Why does that happen? Because demonic spirits are behind that and promoting that. That's why we can't just win that on our own. It's not, if you just let society go. Oh, if we just let society go, we're going to get... In 1656 years, we went from Adam and Eve to the flood. Are you going to tell me we're two million years old as a human race and we're two million years old and we're just now getting bad? No. Common sense seems to be, we, we, we need a lot more common sense in our world in many ways. Wherefore, take unto you the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to get up and shout and fight and bring your sword and whip up those demons and start praying over them and get them to bow to your feet and name them and claim them. No. We're going to stand. Stand, therefore. Because the problems are coming. You don't have to go out and seek problems. I'm telling you, Satan's going to let you know that there's difficulties to come. And he will bring those to you. You don't have to even ask for them. They're going to come. Uh, professor Wayne Drexler, Professor Emeritus at Cross-Cultural Apologetics and Missions at Southern Evangelical Seminary. I'm not promoting all those things, but in 1995 he wrote a paper for the Reformation Revival periodical called The Myths of Spiritual Warfare. This little quote. There is an idea that spiritual warfare is so much Pentecostal hocus-pocus. It is seen as yet another gimmick to, des to design, to dazzle, the gullible, and mesmerize the simple. A very of this theme is the idea that spiritual warfare is limited to the apostolic age and thus is irrelevant to our time. In reality, spiritual warfare is part and parcel of the Christian life and to trivialize it defrauds believers. We do, there is spiritual warfare. I'm telling you, we go through it. We, 
don't, we, it's, it's part of our lives. Satan wants to get us to give up, to throw in the towel, to do things wrong, to, to stop reading our Bibles, and, and he wants to do, and it's your spirit, the spirit of God inside you, and your flesh warring, there's a spiritual warfare, yes. Are there demons? Yes. Now, I, I just read this today. First time I'd ever heard this, that some people believe that demons are a pre-Adamite race. I, I personally believe they're fallen angels, but uh, but whatever they're here and they are they are real. In my thinking, they're the fallen angels who fell with Lucifer. Because uh, I have a problem with anything before Adam and Eve. I mean, there's a pre-Adamite race when when you get what, death and they had to die before there was death. Because wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all had sinned. That's Romans chapter five twelve. So death. Happened as a result of Adam and Eve. So to say there's death prior to Adam and Eve, ask Ken Ham. Yeah, yes, we call that a liar. I do not want to do that. And I know you don't want to do that either. So, again, a, a 16th century reformer, we've just gone through what the Reformation and Magisterial Reformer Calvin says many believers suppose the devil to be an antagonistic deity whom the righteous God would not subdue without great exertion. Though our enemy is so powerful, he's not so powerful that we must throw away our spears, but that we must prepare our minds for the battle. Believers are thus directed to cherish confidence through the whole course of life, and there will be no danger which will not successfully be met by the power of God, nor will any person with God's assistance fight against Satan fail in the day of battle. Martin Luther, the reformer, said, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. Amen. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. A mighty fortress is our... Isn't that a beautiful verse? It's like, man, you want some theology. Right there it is for us. It's interesting. Turn back to 414, the same book that we henceforth, Ephesians 4.14, be not no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. We need people who are not deceived. And so, one, before I get to, we're not even to your, one more thing before we get to your lesson sheet, and I want to talk about these two things. Uh, uh, <laughs> And this is so important. Truth or territory. Truth or territory. Territory. <laughs> that is the name of a book. I'm one of the books I'm using, but that's God's truth. It is like a really high watt flashlight, deer shining on light. It cuts through all the morass, cuts through all the false things, cuts through all bottom line. You want ontology is going to win in the end. Men are men, boys and girls are still girls. In the end, it'll come back to that. You have to come back. You don't have to. You can say what you want. You can try to postulate what you want. The truth will, and there's one truth. It's God's truth. And so if we're if we're going to battle in this. War, we have to follow God's truth. 
two perspectives, and then we'll go back to your outline. There's a clear divide, two very different perspectives on spiritual warfare. On the one hand, there are those who view, view spiritual warfare as a head-to-head encounter with the demonic hordes by which those demonic hordes are conquered and held at bay through certain prayers and incantations and tactics. This perspective views spiritual warfare as a battle over territory. Peoples and cities must be claimed, fought for, and taken for the kingdom of, from the kingdom of darkness. The power and authority of Christ is ours to use for this end. So get busy. That's, we are to war. Satan does have a huge influence. And we are to pray for others who are in the ministry and ourselves. And God will protect us. But this battle, and by the way, if you do come up with a demon and meet a demon, you think he's going to tell you the truth? He wants to name that demon. What, what's your name, demon, so I can pray a heads about you? Uh, Tim. I didn't say, are you sure? Yeah, Tim. Okay. First, you would have to know there was a demon because you wouldn't. True that. How are you going to see it? How are you going to see one? We, we see them. I'm not trying to make a lot of things because there is a lot of demonic activity. Now, 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 you know the answer to this. Why was there so much demonic activity when Jesus, let's say, for example, uh, uh, there, you know, there's a lot of snakes out there that between here and Mr. Woman's house. That there's a, let's just say there are. There's like, oh, they're out there right now. I don't know about it. But I tell you what, when I start walking through that field and start, the chiggers are going to come. The snakes are coming. The oh, a deer might be running through. When you get in, it's, it's out there, but you know, when we get to there, we're going to really know it. Because they're going to what? They're going to see me come. Oh, here comes somebody with some white legs that need bitten on here. Are they? The demons were in inhabited people. Jesus comes through the, in the pure Son of God. He comes through. Oh man, we've got to do something now. And so all of a sudden you have this outbreak of demonic activity. Why? Because they can't be around him. The demonic of Gadara. Send us, send us into the pigs so we can go in there. And, go, we can. and they, you know they get it right every time? Almost. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God, don't send us into the abyss before our time. And yet it's the human kind that are around here. Well, we're going to Who are you? The Messiah is going to be this, this, and this, and this. You can't be the Messiah. He can't be that. But the miracles, he can't be that. He speaks pure. He can't be. The demons, wow, we can't be around us. Don't. Let's go somewhere to get away from you. So you wonder why there's so much demonic activity? Because. The Son of God was there. You want to know why? My legs got eaten up with chiggers walking through there because I was out there. Oh, here it comes. Usually it's mosquitoes for me. But. So that is why. That's one view. view is that we've got to get out there and do all these things. The second view of spiritual warfare is one in which the battle is primarily over truth. Oh, the battle is for truth. That's the battle. That's where we are right now. If you just look, just look, the battle for truth. We're watching England come. They're backing off the transgender ideology now. They're realizing, you know what, just, there's just some things here that we just need to stop and take a step back. Now, we're still for it, but we're just not sure these things are starting. The battle's for truth. Spiritual warfare is not a battle for territory. It's a battle in which ideologies are brought under the truth of God's word. That is where 
we must stick with this. I have the opportunity to do, I tell Amanda that uh, for six weeks I get to do a Bible study at the Boyd County Senior Center. Excited about that. So this is where I must go. And I can't be too denominational specific. I can preach the gospel because the gospel is universal, is it not? Whatever, whatever church you're in, saved by grace through faith. I can't necessarily preach baptism by immersion, although that's the only kind of baptism you find in the New Testament. I can't necessarily say that, but I can say it that way. I just wait and go where you pray for me to do that. It's exciting, but you have a chance to do that. But it's, it's a battle for truth in which ideology, ideologies are brought under the truth of God's word. So whatever it is that people think about spiritual warfare, prayer mapping, casting out demons, binding Satan, binding demons, by doing all these things, praying a heads and thorns about somebody, We've got to put that under the searchlight of this. I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to be negative toward other things, but I'm trying to raise the sufficiency of Scripture. This is it. This is it. If it doesn't stand the test of this, then we need to go on, just leave it alone, do something else. This is it. So here we go, right to your lesson. I can see what time it is. I see what it is. So, I like this, uh, Justin Peters, as a forward. There exists a great and tragic paradox among most of professing Christendom. i got to stop right there on the word Christendom. We're not going to get anywhere, Pastor. You're not going anywhere. Christendom. You know what Christendom is? It, it, it's more, it's in, in Reformers' time, it was when the church and state were wedded. So, Christendom is more than the church side. It's like the government all of Christendom. So I didn't know that until recently, but that's in the Reformation. We call it Christianity. We call it Christianity today. Christendom would have been more like when the state and church were together. Constantine, when he made the state church, that'd be more of Christendom. So here we go. He's not using it quite the same. He's using a more of a Christianity term here. Professing Christianity. We live in a day and age of unparalleled access to almost unbiblical biblical resources, unlimited. <laughs> Christian bookstore shelves are filled with works in a dizzying array of authors on equally dizzying array of subjects. Christian conferences promising to equip people to have success and victory in every area of life are filled to capacity. The advent of the internet age has made almost every sermon from almost every preacher, both living and dead, available at a click of a mouse or a few clicks. And yet, with all this ease of access to biblical information, never have both society at large and the church itself been more ignorant of Bible doctrine. From what I understand, all studies done on the subject of spiritual warfare confirm that people have but a cursory knowledge of the Bible at best. Where are those who are willing to follow the Apostle Paul's directive, study to show thyself approved unto God, working that he is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? Why? You tell me why people don't do that. Why people don't do it? It's too close to home. Too close to home? Backs the heart? Too much like work? They're lazy. You're just too, you're just too clear. <laughs> you tell it. You cut through. You cut through all the butter. No, too late. It takes work. It does. But that's what study to show thyself approved unto unto God. That's what He wants from us. Uh, ministry is good. Working for God's good. But I think I was telling someone just yesterday how. I think so much of my life I've spent serving and doing and working till whatever. 
God's more about who wants us. He that I may know him. That's what he wants. I'm not perfect. I, I, I expect myself to, you know, I expect to do, I'll be honest with you, I expect, I want everybody in this church to like everything I do. It doesn't work that way. It's not going to work that way. That's what I want. I, got, I, try, I try to spend so, many, so much time thinking, trying to do, I, it, doesn't all, it, doesn't, it may not think I do that, but I, that's what I want. I've got to do what God wants me to do. And trust Him and do it the right way, yes. And, and work at but keeping peace and harmony and those things. But the bottom line is, I'm not standing before you at the judgment. And you're not standing before me. We're all standing before God. What did you direct me to do, God? And by the way, if I do what God directs direct me to do, it's going to be the right thing. Yes, it's going each time. But, but I, like I want to say to you, especially younger people, don't miss God in your life waiting for retirement or waiting for just the right moment. Enjoy Him now. Enjoy the journey. Amen. Enjoy the journey. Mr. Woman enjoys the journey. Amen. And that's what I, I, I want. A, a, a responsibilities. We all have a responsibility, but we all we have responsibilities. But we've got to take time to enjoy God. That's what He wants from us. He wants us. Amen. The work's going to get done. The person, out, the people out here that God wants to be saved are going to be saved. And someone's going to, maybe it'll be you, maybe it'll be me, maybe somebody else. But if He asks us to witness, we witness. And that's, but we need to I just put myself under pressure I gotta perform I gotta do this. that's not what he's wanting he wants us to be faithful if he has to do something do it but I have enough time in my day to do what he wants me to do Amen. and you have enough time in your day to do what he wants you to do if I'm running ragged and doing it I'm probably doing more than what he really wanted me to do yes amen you say amen pastor I to find it so you help me that I can grasp that and not just say it, but live it. So, you know, I'm, I'm 62 years old. I've been waiting for that time in my life where I'm retired and I can sit back and go fishing some. And I'm not sure it's every day is going to come. So if I'm waiting for that day, I may be on like my, my final week of life. And it's going to be too late to enjoy the journey then. Right? Amen. Yes, amen. You can satisfy that. Amen. So let's enjoy to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So when I stand before God, we're longing to hear. Well done, right? So we're longing to hear. We're longing to hear. So what is it in my life that's going to keep me from following Him completely? So question number one is, how has the internet, and I know it's more of a mundane, but how has the internet and social media, you think it's influenced people's Theological understanding, do you think, just a little bit sometimes? We have a consummate brand of Twitter theologians who can tell you just off the bat, what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right, etc. like that. And maybe you're, uh, maybe, and some of you are helping other people. I know uh, one, one lady I had as a guy that just is antagonistic, spiritually speaking, and trying to help. And the guy is really, honestly, he's really off base on things. You need to get into the Bible and not just a church mindset. But it has influenced. We have a lot of armchair texting and theologians now. If they would just get off the phone and get into the Bible, you know, we've had so much in, we've had so much version controversy in the last fifty years in our own churches. If we would just learn the version that we have here before you start hooping and hollering at everybody else, study the one you have here, and that's you'll have your spin up your whole. And I'm. 
I'm not trying to be critical people. I just we, we sometimes we got all these horses that are hobbies. I like what we use. I'm going to ever switch. But there are other people who do different do differently. I've got plenty here to study right here, and as you and uh, it's amazing how God uses His word. Uh, so then, uh, do you think uh, do you think that most are content with getting their thing from sound bites and twitters and sermonettes is going to have an effect? Yes, I don't know what your question is because I I didn't put it in my notes there. But question number two, we'll skip over that. There are few areas in the Christian life which are more confusing to people than the area of spiritual warfare. Uh, it's it's. I remember. Have you read this present darkness or piercing the darkness being made besides my wife and I, Frank Peretti? And so at first I thought about you know about her and and there are demonic. But that's for the angels to fight those things. We are to have the whole armor of God so when Satan shoots at us by the power of God living in us, we don't have to respond. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a beautiful woman walking by. Tim, I, don't have, I can look at something else. Or there's that habit you got involved in and there's, you just walk down the aisle and stay away from the aisle because I know it just... Or, or whatever it is. Or there's something on there. You, what's that? What you, oh, no. So that's the power. Someone said, get you really riled up. Well, you have the power by God's grace to not respond. That's your spiritual, in my thinking, that's our spiritual warfare. The Spirit of God, allowing the Spirit of God to move in my life to where the this carnal part of my life is subdued. Not that I'm going out and trying to name some, I don't don't even get involved in demonic things. Don't do it. I, I, I don't study it. I remember a pastor a long time ago as a Marine was, was pastor in club was very well known. He said, he said, he's preaching on pornography. He said, I got two pornographic magazines and looked at them so I would be available, able to speak on the topic of that. And if I gave you the name, you know who it was. I was what? No, you're not supposed to be doing that. You stay away. There's some things, does it flee fornication? It's not like, I'm going to get down on my knees. Sometimes you don't get down on your knees and pray, you pray as you're running from. Oh, but pastor, I'm, you're not that spiritually mature. I'm not that. The, is the Bible not always right? It is. The sufficiency of Scripture, it's right here. And this is what I want.